0: Hello, Scouted Football Podcast fans. It is Friday and that means we're back with another episode of the Scouted Pod. Um, What's been happening? Well, a lot. And I'm not just talking about Harry and Meghan's interview with Oprah. Uh, The Champions League knockouts delivered yet again. And surprise, surprise, the Norwegian Terminator, Frankenstein's footballer, Erling Haaland, was the star of the show yet again, scoring twice uh, amid some typically predictable VAR drama. Um, celebrating in the face of severe keeper Bono and then leading incensed severe players on a merry chase like the Pied Piper of Dortmund that he is. Um, those two goals meant that he reached 20 in the UEFA Champions League in just 14 matches, uh, which is a remarkable effort, um, especially considering the previous record holder, uh, Harry Kane, managed to reach the 20 goal mark in 24 games. Um, Elsewhere, Porto and Sergio Oliveira knocked out Juventus, Cristiano Ronaldo and exposed their lack of a draft excluder beneath their wall when defending free kicks. Uh, And Liverpool's Nat Phillips and Porto's veteran centre-half Pepe uh, were certainly the defensive stalwarts of this week's round of 16 fixtures. Uh, And Barcelona are out, which is no small matter, after Paris Saint-Germain and Kylian Mbappe put them to the sword from the penalty spot at Parc des Princes. But we're not here to discuss uh, the Champions League this week, though. Uh, as as always, I'm, I'm joined by an esteemed guest who certainly knows more about the, this this topic than I do, which is Belgian football. Um, ben Jackson is is host of the Belgian Football Pod, um, which, as you might have guessed, discusses all the goings on in Belgian football. Um, ben, how how are you going? I'm, I'm delighted to have you on. Thanks Joe, yeah, yeah, I'm really good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad at all. Um, I'm just thinking with sort of the, the roadmap out of lockdown and stuff in the UK here, you know, uh, you, have you got any beer garden bookings planned for late April? <laughs> Maybe some Duvilles or Triples being sampled in, in some of the spring sunshine?
1: Oh, I'd absolutely love to say yes, but oh, I just just want to get there now. I haven't got anything booked in, man, but yeah, as soon as I can, a nice Belgian beer in the sunshine is just, that's oh, the dream, isn't it? Oh absolutely
0: yeah the weather has to be spot on as well but you know I'm not going to be fussy when that day comes around you know even if it's pouring down um, I'm going to be there in my raincoat Um, but on on the topic of the the Belgian football pod um, you know how long have you been doing that you've got obviously a a few co-hosts with you on there you know what what is it all about just sort of just general Belgian football?
1: Yeah we started this well I started on my own I think back in July uh, last year during the lockdown I was like thinking about doing a podcast on it and it just thought, while well, I've got loads of time my hands. I may as well start it. And um, yeah, then Joris and Scott, who were on the podcast with me, joined me. Um, they offered to help me out, which is great because, yeah, when you're just talking to yourself for 45 minutes, it can get yeah. a little bit boring and a little bit samey. Um, but yeah, we just decided that we we're going to cover everything. Um, we're mainly focusing on the domestic league at the moment. So we mainly look at the top league. We're kind of dabbling in the second division. And then hopefully when the Euros come around, we're going to kind of branch out and do a bit more around the national team as well. But yeah, we like to keep it impartial. Apart from Joris, he's our only kind of club fan that we have on the podcast. But me and Scott are very much the neutral two, kind of bringing our opinions to it
0: the super serious Belgian football podcast hosts, you know, keeping impartiality at the forefront. Uh, If you did have a soft spot, if you did have a leaning towards any of the Belgian clubs, because I suppose, you know, to start up a podcast like that, you're going to have to have an interest of sorts. You know, who would it be?
1: Oh, yeah, it's a tough question, really. I've like, there's quite a few that I'm like, kind of, I like and I'm interested in. I think this season, especially, it's been a kind of Oostend. For those that don't know, they are literally... I think they finished third bottom last season, absolutely terrible, changed manager, changed style of play, changed everything this year and they're like pushing top four, pushing European qualifications so I'd say I've got a little bit of a soft spot for them because I quite like that dramatic turnaround and kind of underdogs
0: giving it to the big
1: teams as well so I'll say End is kind of like a little soft spot but yeah I'm definitely (laughs) impartial and kind of like all the teams.
0: Everyone loves an underdog story, don't they? Um, that's 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 a good one. That's a good justification as any. Um, but in terms of the the Belgian Pro League, um, you know, it's it split into sort of a championship group and a relegation group uh, at the end of the season after sort of the the regular campaign is finished. And you've also got a play the, the sort of the top four go into a playoff um, situation, and then the the I think it's fifth to eighth. Correct me if I'm wrong. Go into a second playoff situation. How how does the the Belgian league work essentially?
1: <laughs> That's a very good question. um <laughs> It's actually changed this season, as far as I'm aware. I actually had to check with the other guys because I was like, the information's just been changing all the time, and finding like an actual source of information for like what they're actually doing this year has been quite hard. But yes, yeah, so as you said, top four teams contest for the championship. So kind of like I think they do it in Poland as well, where they have their points halved because um, the idea is it'll make it more competitive. That's not going to happen this year because Club Luger are like miles ahead of everyone else anyway. Um, And then, yeah, these top four teams will battle it out for the title as well as um, qualification for European uh, tournaments. So the first team will qualify for the Champions League. Um, The rest of them then battle it out for the rest of the places. From what I know, and this is my information, I apologise to your listeners if I have this wrong, second place ends up in the Champions League qualification. So they've got the automatic Europa League spot if they don't get through. Uh, The third place team is now going to go into the new... Uh, conference league um, qualification and then the team that finishes fourth they technically they will qualify for the conference league as well but in order to do that they have to beat the team that finishes fifth so whoever wins kind of the second playoff between the teams in five to eight who also have their points halved there's then another playoff between fifth place and fourth place and whoever wins out of that one will then qualify for the conference league qualification and then just to kind of like make it even more complicated, they've had another playoff, um, which is they've kind of gone for like a German-style relegation playoff. So second bottom will play two legs against uh, second top in the second tier. Winner of those two legs will then be in the first tier. Um, so yeah,
0: it's complicated. I mean, it sounds complex. I mean, just from when I was doing looking at the, the Belgian league table, I was looking at all the different colours which correspond, who qualifies for what position in the Europe. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to get the Belgian expert to explain this to me because it's just, I'm having, I'm, it's late at night. It's it's something that I'm just going to think, you know what, it's not going to fully go in. So having it explained to me, as you have there, has, has shed a lot more light on it. So thank you very much. Uh, but in terms of the um the the excitement factor, then you've certainly got, you know, there's no teams that are going to be, um have their flip-flops on going into the final few games of the season because essentially everything could be resting on it.
1: Yeah. And it's so like, convoluted in that middle bit of the table at the moment um if you basically we were saying the other day if you take club rouge out of the equation you'd have a really exciting title race going on because all the teams are within like a couple of points of each other and then the teams at the bottom aren't like no one's really fully safe at the bottom either so these next few weeks every game's important and every point matters which is great it's like what you want really isn't it in a league um but yeah it's definitely complicated sometimes
0: yeah, absolutely. You always wanted that 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 little added bit of drama. I think coming to the close uh, at the end of the season, you know, you, nobody wants to be stuck in the in mid table and just not having anything to play for. I always I always bring it back to sort of Stoke in the Premier League when they finished ninth. I think it was three seasons in a row. Um, you know, it was no, nobody wants to be a Stoke. Come on, sorry if you're from Stoke. Um, but... <laughs> Today's podcast topic is um, RSC Anderlecht, um, because, you know, it, it's historically been one of, if not the biggest club in, in Belgium. Um, you know, they've won 34 titles, um, most recently in 2016-17. In um, they've won the UEFA Cup in 1983, uh, the UEFA Club World Cup and Super Cup in 1976 and 1978. Um, you know they've they've got pedigree. And they're, they're a historic club, especially in terms of the youth academy as well, uh, and and signing players very young and then bringing them through and then selling them on for a massive profit um, later, further down the line to, to bigger clubs in bigger European leagues. So from a scouted football perspective, you know, Anderlecht are always a club that we have maybe not a, a really close eye, but we've We've always got them in the back of our minds you know thinking well sooner or later there are going to be some very good players coming through here um you know you just need to look at the the, the you know the alumni um, Romelu Lukaku was there between the age of 13 and 18 um Tielemans was there for 15 years before he moved uh, away from from Belgium um Uh, Dries Mertens was there for his his sort of early developmental teenage years. Uh, You know, Vincent Kompany, who we'll get on to. Leander Dendonka at Wolves, Dennis Pratt at at Leicester. um, And going even further back, Enzo Schifo um, back in the day. But as well as that, you know they they also had um, alexander mitrovic uh, who was there who not not an academy graduate but was brought in from partizan belgrade um, as a as a teenager and and really set the belgian league on fire uh, at that time uh, around 2015 um, but going back to vincent company uh, and for anybody who isn't aware vincent company um, when he left manchester city uh, or sort of semi retired from from manchester city he became the player coach of uh, anderlecht uh, in 2019 got off to a terrible start uh, and then just became just a player again uh, and now he's the coach again um last season they finished 8th um which because which was because the the season was obviously curtailed by by coronavirus um but how how was that sort of received you know in terms of Belgian football seeing Anderlecht slump to to 8th i know they'd been on a bit of a slide you know going from 3rd or 5th to 6th and then 8th you know how how was that received in in Belgium
1: Yeah, I guess like people weren't that surprised. guess we're like in in terms of stuff we'll kind of get on to talking about as to why this has kind of happened to Anderlecht. But yeah, like when you look at their history and like you talked about their history there, like titles, like this team's always competing. They're always near the top of the league. They're always pushing in cup competitions. They're qualifying for Europe. They're doing all these things. So to see a side like that kind of slumping in mid table was bizarre. And yeah I think as well when you look at if you just look at the table you can see the problem straight away is that they just drew so many games like they just could not find a way to win the games that they should have and it's kind of repeating itself a little bit this season as well like the same issues are kind of there um and yeah like you said Vincent Compton he did get off to a bad start last year um he had to step down I guess he was kind of saved in a way because the reason that had to be given was um, he didn't actually have the right license. So he didn't have the correct license to be a coach at the level. Um, He's now working towards it. So he's allowed to manage this season. Um, But yeah, so he wasn't allowed to continue as a coach. He just had to become a player. Um, But yeah, it didn't go very well. And now he's kind of come back. So they fought someone else and then they've sacked that person. Um, because the issues still persisted, and now he's back again for kind of like a second
0: crack at the coaching job. Anybody, anybody who's had such an impact on English football as, as Vincent Company has over the past decade, you know, it's it, it's going to attract some interest from from an English audience or a British audience. I think in in Anderlecht in 2021, essentially, um, but last season being the, f- the the first year since 1964 that Andelec didn't compete in in European competition uh, at, at any level, including the qualifiers. Um, you know, th- I think that was you know it spoke to their slump a little bit more you know they were on this bit of a slide um financially there were problems you know are they are they still present today because you know we see with this this Anderlecht team um, who we'll get onto in a bit, you know, they've got very, very young players. Um, they're, they're a very young squad. You know, they've got, I, I don't think it's between the numbers of two and seven they don't have in, this, in the squad, you know, which is usually you'd correspond the the first team players, the senior players would have lower down numbers. Um, but, you know, are the financial problems still prevalent or is there is there some, because I, I'm aware there's been ownership changes, you know, has there been some sort of um, effort to rectify this?
1: yeah there's definitely still financial problems and to be fair like just kind of jumping back to company quickly this season he has begun to sort out some of the issues that were there like defensively they're a lot better as the season's progressed um although lots of people in the media are kind of saying if he wasn't vincent company there's no way he would have survived as long as he has so kind of like the legend status bringing him through and like like you said kind of like as someone who watched him a lot in the premier league i want him to succeed i think he's a bit of a legend of football in general in my like kind of time growing up but yeah he's got to deal with financial problems and if you just look at the squad this year and if you look at their transfer dealings a lot of their players are on loan and that's just the biggest indicator isn't it that they can't afford to buy players they're just loaning a lot of players in um because it's just a cheaper option for them and it's kind of come off the back of a really terrible period of spending um as well as this kind of a situation that's unfolding that yeah, I don't think we have time to get into now. And I don't still don't know all the details about. Um, there's like court cases and there's involvement of an agent um, who basically made himself a lot of money out of Anderlecht signings. Um, but yeah, like before this podcast, I was just having a little kind of look back at all the signings they've made over the past couple of seasons. And when you look at the big money they've spent, it just hasn't brought about any returns. Like you're not seeing the players that you used to see like like you talked about Mitrovic earlier, he was someone they bought in. They bought him in and sold him on for big money. The players they bought in recently haven't been able to do that. Um, they bought in Stanku from Star Bucharest, who I believe is still their record signing. He's now playing for Slavia Prague. Like, He's not the club anymore. Uh, they bought Bubakar Sane from uh, FC mitcheland. He cost them, I think, around about €8 million. Euros. He spent the last two seasons out on loan. He's not really getting a look in, in the first team, which is just yeah bizarre when you spent that much money and you're having defensive problems and he's not that young. I think he's about 23. He's not getting a look. Uh, Michel Vlap, as listeners probably know, he's now on loan at Arminia Bielefeld, Landry de Mata, They bought him in for some money from Wolfsburg. He's now gone to Espanyol. Kimar Roof now at Rangers. He, they bought him for some money. Like all these players are kind of in their top 10, most expensive players ever, but none of them are there anymore. And it's kind of like a, you can see why there's been problems in terms of recruitment in that end. And, um, then there's also been problems in terms of wages and this is where the agent comes in. So there's rumours that Treble, who's there at the moment, um, not just on his wages, but when he signed for the club, he earned about 3.3 million euros on top of his wages, which is a massive sum of money for a club in the Belgian league where your kind of modus operandi is to get young players through and sell them on for big money. That's just the way you're going to have to survive at the moment. Um, so yeah, financial problems are definitely still there. and in order to kind of rectify that, they have to sell their young players. And in a way, because of the loans and stuff like that, and like you said, with like the squad numbers and stuff, the young players are get, getting more opportunities than maybe they would have. But that have a good academy. They've always had a good academy. So these players are coming through. It's just about exposing them and kind of milking as much as you can out of them for success before you have to sell them because you've got no other choice
0: yeah exactly maximizing their their sell on value um to, and and knowing when to sell i think there's 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 few clubs in world football who are who have who are you know very good at knowing when to sell it might may not be a popular decision but sometimes you know you, you that player stays 6 12 months longer and their their market value especially for clubs who rely on player sales um as heavily as you know belgian clubs will do um then you know it, if, if their market value halves or, or even quarters in that time, you know, you've lost a substantial amount of income or potential income there. So, yeah, I think that will be the next challenge um, for, for Anderlecht, definitely. But, but presently, um, obviously, we still have Vincent Company there. Um, this year, in terms of on the pitch, it seems as though the effect that um, many thought that, you know, a, a defensive stalwart like Vincent Company would have, you know, on the team, uh, you know, defensive solidity and the like, you know, that, that appears to be occurring. Um, they've only, Club Brugge have, have conceded fewer uh, goals than, than Anderlecht in, in the Belgian Pro League this season. You know, is that something that you've seen that's been reflective of the style that, that companies try to bring in?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, he's definitely deserves a lot of credit for the defensive improvement. Like at the beginning of the season, this definitely wasn't the case. Like, it was kind of a joke going around that the best time to score against Anderlecht was just wait until the 80th minute because they were just conceding like shed loads of goals in the last 10 minutes of games. But like you can tell he's worked on that and he would just, you could see him if he had hair, he'd be pulling it out most of the time when this was happening, like the frustration was visible on his face. But I think an important sign that they've made has been Matt Miazga uh, on loan from Chelsea. I think he's really helped kind of bring a little bit of leadership to that back four The problem is that, like, what company wants to do is he likes to play the possession game, he likes to pass it out from the back. And at times, the players just don't look comfortable doing that. But he's like insisted on it and kept doing it. And slowly but surely, it's getting a little bit better. Um, but while they're really good defensively, and yeah, like, like you said, like second best defense in the league, like you can't argue with the improvements he's made there going forward, it's been a massive struggle for them. Um, Percy Towell was quite good for them at the beginning of the season, he's gone back to Brighton that left a gap in terms of creativity they haven't really filled that they're very reliant on Lucas uh, Nometa scoring penalties I'm sure we'll speak about him later but yeah and I think what hasn't helped company as well is that the goalkeeping situation hasn't been ideal Uh, Van Klomberger who's their first choice keeper has been injured um, for quite a while now and poor old Velenreuter has been like the backup keeper and he's made a couple of mistakes for them to concede some goals a few weeks ago against quarter Like, he literally just like punched the ball into one of the attacking players for them to concede. And the problem is when they do concede, they find it quite hard to then go on and score because they struggle to score, like they're still drawing games because if they concede, they maybe score one, or if they score one and then concede, like that's not really gonna help them. So yeah, he's definitely improved that end. It's now kind of he's gotta focus on the attacking end to really make a properly balanced team. <laughs>
0: Um, In terms of players, and we've obviously discussed um, young players playing a a major role at Anderlecht this season, Mainly because of, you know, the financial concerns, not being able to buy players, having to bring them through the the the, the prestigious academy that they have. One of the younger players who's played a starring role, I think, uh, over the past two seasons, you know, despite some difficult times, um, is Albert Sambi Lokonga, um, who is a, a deep line number eight, uh, very good dribbler, very good at beating players, uh, you know, getting through pressure, makes makes lots of progressive runs from midfield. Um, and one of the things that I found quite interesting, sort of just watching Lokonga, is that. You know, for for a deep line midfielder, he's not quite a defensive midfielder. You know, he doesn't get through, um, you know, a, a great deal of defensive work that you may as, associate with 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 players who are good at escaping pressure, um, who you know who who can be just as well, just as good disruptively as well. Um, you know, I quite like how he's he's good at picking passes in the final third. You know, he's, his shot, his his pass selection is is quite good for a player um so young. Um, and 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 a progressing play in sort of those dangerous spaces because you know we see often you know young players are very good up until that final moment where that their pass maybe is a bit uh, misguided or, or isn't isn't as accurate as it could be or they just start again turn around pass back to where they came from um, but Lukonga appears to have sort of got that. You know, refined down to a bit of a science because he's he's very good at you know playing those incisive balls, um, and 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 from his position, you know, it's, it's always more difficult when you when you have less of the the pitch in front of you. So from from that number eight, I've been very much uh, impressed with with Lukonga. I mean, what have your views of of, of him been when you've seen Andaluk play?
1: Yeah, and no, I'm a massive Lukonga fan. Um Andaluk games haven't always been the most exciting to watch, but he's exciting to watch. Like you said, like. I think the biggest thing you notice is the way he can just pick up the ball and take it a couple of like 10, 15, 20 yards down the field, beat a couple of players. He gets fouled so often. I think there was a game earlier in the season. I watched where he played against them, beer shots, and he was just running rings around them. Like his progression from like, and transition play was just causing them all sorts of problems. Cause he just take players out of the game for fun. Um, yeah. I know what you mean about the defensive work. You don't, really notice him in that role like even though he's deep he's a deep and then picking it up and taking it and going and i think playing a lot um aside uh josh cullen josh cullen has kind of had to do more of the defensive work to allow Conga to play i think the problem Conga's found is that with Tal gone, all the like kind of creative pressure has been put on his shoulders and so teams are kind of looking to stop him as often as possible because if you stop him you kind of stop and playing uh one team that didn't do that earlier in this season was genk um, there was a game where they just didn't put any pressure on him, and he just he just looks in so much good, like so much control. Like you said, his passing was fantastic. I think they only won like one nil, but the amount of chances he created for the side was just ridiculous. Like, he should he should have better numbers in terms of assists than that this season, but he's kind of just been let down by the players around him. Um, he is, in my mind, their biggest asset at the moment, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, he's been given the captaincy as well. He's a leader on the pitch. He yeah, he just everything he does just oozes with class and like he's just a quality technician as well. I'd be very, very, very shocked if he is still there. Uh next season, I think, yeah, like we talked about knowing when the right time to sell is, I think his kind of price tag's only going up at the moment. And I'd be yeah, I'd be shocked if there aren't clubs already having conversations with the Andelect about him.
0: Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, completely echo what everything you've said there. Um, I, I mean, I haven't sat down and watched an that like, game, you know, per se, those ninety minutes. But sort of going back on on Instat, you know, watching Laconga's games, and it really is just a a repetition of you know taking the ball, carrying the ball ten, fifteen, twenty yards up the pitch, and it is just that, that escaping the pressure. You know, it it sticks out so much, especially in tight games where you know it's it's all it's very nip and tuck. You know, there's not. Very much being given away, and then, as soon as they funnel the ball through him, you know it's you know it's it very much the the impetus is there it 's almost like this spark has been generated um so i 'm very i'm very keen to see sort of where he where he ends up because you know ultimately his his future is not in in belgium it it will be um in one of europe 's top five leagues um which I suppose sort of takes me on to the the next question the next point I was really going to make was. Where do you where where do you perhaps see Lukonga fitting in? Because obviously, you know, we've seen the likes of Tangi and Dombélé go from Lyon to Tottenham Hotspur, um, and 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 Dombélé, while probably having a bit more to his game destructively, um, was very good at that that ball progressing role in Liga. I think we've seen a lot of players with that similar sort of mould um, in in Liga, and I'd say that you know, in terms of the step up in quality, you know, perhaps going to a Europa League challenging league side, um, you know, might be a good step for him. Um, you know, we 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 only need to look at Eduardo Camavinga at Rennes and see that you know when he opens his legs. I mean, he may be three three years younger, I believe, than than um, Lukonga. But when he really opens his legs and gets gets moving, he does make some real inroads in, in uh, through league midfields and defenses. So, I can see something very similar happening. Um, with with Lekonga, if 1 was a place that he went to, but I, I I was just interested to see if you thought he could maybe do, take a similar path to someone like Orel Mangala at, at Stuttgart and go to the Bundesliga and and perhaps do do well there, or or whether you you also think that League Liga, Liga might be a, a good avenue.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree with everything you're saying. I like yeah, kind of like when you talk about Kamavinga, like Camavinga is one of those players, like you said about Lokonga, like you watch him, he's just exciting. And you get like when he gets on the ball, you're like, okay, something's going to happen here. And that's what I feel about with Lekonga. And I think because he's actually like physically, he's quite mature and he's got the physical ability to like beat players and get fouls and stuff. And Belgium is a physical league. I feel like he can kind of go Bundesliga. He can go league and um, he could eventually be in the Premier League as well. Like I think he has that in him. He's got the ability he needs. It just kind of depends on just getting to the right club I think that's the big thing like getting to a club that's going to give him the chances and play him I think yeah I think he could be in the Bundesliga I'd like to see him in the Bundesliga we've got another player uh, from Belgium going to Wolfsburg and Aster Flanks another like exciting mm-hmm. youngster and I feel like someone like Wolfsburg could he could play quite well at, at someone like that yeah like a Stuttgart someone like like of that sort of team he'd be really really like interesting to see him in and I just all I really hope is that he goes somewhere he's going to get game time and he'll be allowed to develop because I feel like he's been able to do that and elect, and the more game time he gets, just the better he's going to get.
0: Yeah, somewhere that he's going to be allowed to develop and, and continue to mature. Um, is you know, he's going to be appreciated and respected essentially for the player that he is. Um, I think that's always going to be very important, especially with players when they make that first move. Um, it can often be the, the move that is most important in their career um, because it. it, it, it you know, if you do it very well at at the the, the lesser league. You know, for want of a better term, and then you you may maybe make a misguided move to to some to a club which perhaps doesn't suit you as well. Then you know, there's always going to be the question mark over. Oh well, he couldn't do it in this league, whereas it may have been a completely different story if if that player goes to a club where you know they are very much suited to the style of play. So I agree with you there in in the sense that you know he does need to go somewhere where he's going to get game time in a system that that, that suits him. Um, and and in in terms of you know his development. And elect have not been doing well these past two years, but you contrast that with Lokonga's own personal development, and you see that there is massive potential there because a player who has you know really burst onto the scene, and and played a, a real you know protagonist's role uh, over the past two years, past eighteen months in a in a not a poor team but a you know a team that have been flagging that's always a good sign that despite what's going on around him he is developing so yeah i've got very very high hopes for for lokonga <laughs> elsewhere in midfield uh, there is um a, a young belgian international yari vacherin who is is 2 years younger than lokonga actually he's still only 19 um and, and Ben you will have a, a better grasp than I do um but he's he's coming back from injury um or i th- i believe he's just come back from injury um you know w- he's he's diminutive um he, he's he's creative you know he's he's good at escaping through these little tight spaces um what he i mean he's played in lots of different areas but in this in the sort of the the 433 that that Anderlecht currently have you know it's possession based it's it's tight at the back um it, it likes to play out from the back and, and use the, the you know, the the defensive players and, and, and fullbacks in build up. You know, where does Vesherin fit into um into this, this Anderlecht team under Vincent Company?
1: Yeah, no, interesting. It's is it, quite an interesting case study, I guess, for like what Andelek are gonna do in terms of are they gonna have to change their style when he comes back? I think I like what you said about him being diminutive because it kind of leads back to Andlet making the mistake with um Dries Mertens back in the day where they decided he was too small um to make it at the club and now look what he's gone on to do. So with Vichero and they're definitely not going to make that mistake again. Um, I think personally from a personal point of view and wanting entertainment, like I want to see Vichero on the pitch as often as possible. I think because he can play out wide, he can fit into their four three three, or I'd quite like them to stick him into that midfield three. And um, you can maybe have Cullen just anchoring the midfield, and then you have Lacunga Vashon doing different things to be the creative spot because they need creators in that in that team. Like they just haven't got players that are creative enough to, to provide for the other like attacking players that they have. So yeah, he's really young. Um, he's like got so much potential. There's so much excitement, and it was really, really just unfortunate the way he got injured. Like he just seemed to be getting into a little bit of a role and a little bit of form. And he was starting to really like come into his own in games and stuff. And I think, to be fair to company, like when we like we talked about Lacongo, and we now we're talking about Rocher, and like with the young players, I think he does give them confidence because they look up to him. Like they've watched this guy play um, in his prime and like on the for the national team. Like he is an icon. He is a legend of the game in Belgium. So for these players, they will listen to him and they'll respect what he says. So personally, I think what they'll do is they'll probably play him on the wing um, to begin with. But I think eventually he will. He can I think company may just be able to be a little bit like flexible with his tactics in terms of where he wants to play Vashan, depending on the team they're playing against. Like, they're going to have lots of possession, just stick him in the middle so you can kind of like move around and create the spaces that you need and kind of drop in between the lines a bit more. Um, but yeah, it's quite hard to kind of gauge with company what he's going to do because we haven't seen that much of Rashan uh, this season at least under company as the main like decider in terms of tactics and stuff but he's definitely like Lekongi. he's kind of a little behind Lekongi in terms of like I don't think he'll get a move in the summer or anything like that I think he does need to come back from injury play out the rest of the season and then kind of hit the ground running next season get a full year under his belt then to really show what he can do
0: yeah i mean when i've been when i've watched for Sharon, um it's been obviously with with belgian's younger teams the the their youth teams the the twenty ones nineteens and that sort of thing um and obviously he made his his debut recently for the for the national team um but you know just looking at it from that perspective he has the, the one of the biggest potentials in this andleg team you know he's he's one of the best potential assets you know surely you'd you'd want to maximize that and when i look when i look at him i think yeah, you know, you can play on the wing, you can be a good, a good wide man, but is that going to be the best? I mean, you mentioned that the Belgian league is a physical league. Is that going to be the best place to utilize him? You know, is is the is the formation that's being played currently actually going to be the best that uh, is going to potentially maximize his market value uh, and and sort of maximize his own reputation? I mean, I have I have questions over that, but I mean, ultimately Vincent Kompany is going to have to answer those um with with how he uses them, because you know he's back from or I th- I believe he is returning from injury I think he only played a couple of minutes in uh, the was it the most recent game against Mechelen? um yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. He, uh, uh, essentially like one back. yeah and and I think you know technically I think he, his ability is akin to that of a player in a in a faster higher quality league uh it's just whether that I mean, you don't want to make the Dries Merton mistake because Jesus, that is a bad <laughs> one. But I, I don't want to sort of see in two years' time, Vicheren still be there and think, well, ah, you know, what, what could have been? Uh, you know, he, he burst onto the scene as a as a Belgian international, very young, at, you know, 17, 18 years old. And now, you know, one injury. It, it, I mean, even with the injury, it'll be interesting to see how he comes back from that because, you know, a lot of the time it can, can really restrict players' mobility to begin with. So I think, I'm hoping for a strong end to the season for him. Um, and I'm 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 hoping that, you know, we can we can perhaps see uh him do well in that wide role, you know, prove me wrong essentially. Um so yeah, I've got I've got I've got hopes for him.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think as well, like what may help him kind of be able to play more in the middle as well is that they do have some other wingers that are exciting there. They've got Amazu who can play on the right wing, they've got Mukaru who can play on the left wing. And Company seems to quite like these two as his wingers. So maybe that'll be the chance for Sharon needs to go more centrally and just kind of get on the ball more.
0: Yeah, I think getting on the ball is a big, is, is an important point. I rambled on a bit just before then, but essentially what I was trying to get out was that I feel like the team will play better because of his technical quality being perhaps already at that level, which is in the upper echelons of the Belgian Pro League. You know, he is, he is going to be sort of in the top percentiles for creative numbers if he gets a consistent run. So yeah, it'll be. Um, it 'll be an interesting one to keep keep tabs on um, up front though the the you you mentioned of course that andelect had, had utilized the loan market quite extensively um, both incoming and outgoing Um and and Lucas Nemecha uh, is, uh, has come in from Manchester City. Um, great record at under-23 level um, he had in England. And then subsequently earned some loans, you know, his first one being to Preston North End, uh, where I think he got three goals in around 40 games. I can't say that I watched very much of Nemecha at Preston or, or, or his subsequent loan at Middlesbrough, um, but sort of going back through the through through the X-Files, it, it just seemed as though, you know, there was a player there who had the physicality to compete, but perhaps was just lacking the necessary gel to to really make it. Um so I was interested to hear that obviously he got the the loan move to Andalect and and even more intrigued to find that, you know, he's been, albeit scoring a few penalties, but he's been, you know, finding the back of the net quite regularly. You know, would you say that with in this in the formation that company plays, is this the 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 form the the system that you think is probably playing to Nemecha's physical strengths
1: yeah i think so i think yeah like what you said he is clinical from the spot and i think it's kind of unfortunate that a lot of his goals have just been penalties because it takes away from like his all-round game um but yeah he's like when he came the first time uh, the first game i watched him play i think it was away at End, and it was the first time we saw an andalex striker make a run in behind the whole season I was like finally like someone that's going to stretch the play a bit and that's what he does quite a bit like he runs the channels really well for them he likes to get on the ball he likes to hold it up he's quite good on the ball as well and like you said he's physical so he's physical and he's got some technical ability and i think i kind of i've watched him like at the beginning he was quite selfish so he'd get it and he'd kind of have like tunnel vision i'm just going to run and try and shoot and that just isn't that's never going to work like that might work at under 21 level but when you make that step up like it's never going to yeah. work at the pro level um the other week they played antwerp and i watched the 90 minutes of that and he was he didn't score but i think it was his best game like he held the ball up really well he was really putting the defenders under a lot of pressure running the channels making the right passes like his decision making just looked like it's got so much better and anderlecht fans absolutely love him at the moment um Obviously, they can't be in the stadium, but they brought a banner out of the training ground, basically begging him to stay for another year. And I kind of... Yeah, he he's he's kind of come out and said he wants to get a spot in the Man City team. Uh, he kind of said, obviously, I understand Aguero is a better player than me, but that's what I want to do. I'm kind of sick of bouncing around. I just want to prove that I can make it at this level. But he's also said he's happy to come back to Anderlecht at the same time. So I think from like a development level another season in Belgium could do him really good because his confidence is sky high at the moment. You can see it like the way he takes the penalties. You just don't think he's going to miss like you can just see it on his face. He's a confidence player and his all round game outside of the penalties. I hope that just doesn't get ignored because he has been so much better as the season's gone on.
0: Yeah. And you know, it, it, it it was something that I toyed with because I you know I hadn't actually seen a great deal of him at Andelect, and then I looked at his his numbers and I thought, okay, you know he's got a lot of goals there, and then you actually dig into them and you see that around half of them are penalties, and you think it, it is that ah oh, you know just like oh well they're all penalties like oh yeah that's a bit easy that's a bit easy isn't it? But you know I, uh, first of all in and of itself it is a you know it, it's a, it's a it's a good attribute you know there are plenty of players who don't score. Penalties at, at the sort of the expected rate, um, whereas he's pretty much putting every single one that that has been um, put on his plate as, as an Andalect player. And just on that, just on that, really, you know, how, how what is it about Andalect in and the way they play? Is it the individuality of you know of Mokiri and, and and Amuzu on on the wings that is perhaps maybe getting more penalties than you know the the you know their competitors? Yeah, it's quite it's it's quite hard to kind of get at like why
1: are they getting them so often i think obviously with the advent of var like you are gonna you're just getting more penalties anyway because things are getting picked up but yeah true i think as well because it's it's weird because they are they lack in creativity so that's why i think he's a bit unfortunate in that because they aren't as creative they don't create as many chances for him as he would get in other leagues so like it's like i've got this one chance i better put these penalties away so yeah i think they do because the way they keep the ball like they can just frustrate teams and then they wait for your mistakes, I guess. And teams just seem to make a lot more mistakes against them in the box. And the games are tight as well. Like a lot of the times if they're winning, it's like one-nil kg games. So teams defensively are a little bit more on edge because as the game gets go as the game goes on longer, they're a bit more like wary of making mistakes. They get a bit they tighten up a bit, they get a bit more nervous, and andalus seem to be able to exploit that. But yeah, I think it's it's a shame for him that he hasn't scored more goals from open play because like you said, when you look at the stats, you're like, oh, it's just penalty goals and yeah, great composure, but what else do you bring to the table? But I think he definitely, if he wasn't there, they would struggle a lot more, um, especially going forward. I think he is the spearhead of the attack and I've been really impressed with him.
0: Yeah, he's very much a focal point, and I'll tell you what—that's a bold call. I completely glossed over that before the um the fact that he said he wants to, or at least you know he's he's insinuated that he wants to you know compete for a for a, a place at Manchester City, which fair enough. You know what? I, I quite like that that the player's got the confidence, and maybe um you know it it, it might not work out. But, hey, at the end of the day, you know, he's not exactly done himself any harm by scoring regularly in in Belgium and and sort of endearing himself to the fan base of one of, you know, Belgium's most well-supported clubs. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, But on on sort of the Manchester City thing with Vincent Kompany um, being being the, the head coach, you know, can you see a partnership perhaps being struck in future with more players coming to Anderlecht because of that company link from Manchester City? Or will you know the the the, the relationship, the ownership essentially that they have of Lommel, is that going to uh, complicate things if Lommel end up getting promoted?
1: Yeah, no, it's really interesting um, because obviously there have been those links. And I think it's weird in the way that some of the other players they've brought in haven't been from City. So they brought in Matt Miazga and I presume that that is company working he knows Matt Miazga um, from having seen him play for Chelsea and teams like that like he'll just know that he's a player that he can rely on uh, Josh Cullen as well they brought him from West Ham so there's that I think there will be a link to the Premier League I'm not sure whether like you said I just yeah I don't know whether it's going to be with City because of Lommel but then again it depends like if Lommel don't get out of the second tier because it is difficult to get out of the second tier like it's not the easiest thing it depends how much City want it depends how City want to use Lommel I guess Um, because it may be that, like a player like Nemeche, it would have been a complete waste of time for him to go to Lommel. Like, he's clearly too good for that level. Like, the level he'd have been at is the Belgian Pro League. He's shown that, like, he'd have scored goals for fun and it wouldn't have helped him. So maybe they can kind of exploit those players that are like, City are thinking, okay, we don't want them to go into a second tier team. We want them to go play at a higher level in a team that could actually compete, eventually compete at the higher end of a league for a guy that we trust. So I think, yeah, he probably could work that, but also because they've got their own young players and stuff like that. It's like, is that actually good for the club? Should they just actually be focusing on their own youngsters because they need to kind of get money out of them and stuff. So it's kind of like, yeah, like how, how much of it do you rely on? Or do you just like, you pick up meta because you needed a striker, like use it when you need it, but don't use it to kind of become a feeder club, I guess, or like a second city team that, like helps them out too much, and doesn't actually help andelect out
0: mm, yeah, and I think that relationship dynamic will be in, in interesting to to keep an eye on um in terms of recent departures, obviously we've discussed how andelect use their their academy as sort of a, a conveyor belt to to actually you know generate income um and that's obviously going to be um a, a big part of of where their you know their their revenue comes from essentially um and in the summer just past um they they sold Jeremy Doku, who was a fantastic young winger. Um, after you know only about a season's worth of of first team minutes, um, you know twenty five million euros signed by Ren in in Liga, and you know that's quite an outlay for a Liga side who typically, I mean, they did qualify for the Champions League, which is obviously where that that funding came from. But you know it's it was a, quite an investment in a in a young player, you know, still a teenager from from essentially the, the back of one season at Anderlecht you know. For, in terms of the Belgian perspective, was that, you know, was it a, set, a move celebrated by Andelect? or was it, you know, one of those where I thought, well, we're, we're reluctant to let you go, but this money is too good to turn down at this moment in time, given our given our financial situation.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty, the second point is like 100% true. I think with Doku, it was like, from a neutral point of view, I thought it was a great move for everyone involved. Because um, I like, I think having watched a bit of Ren, you see they're good with like young players and stuff like that. For them, obviously, they then sold Rafinha, so they needed someone to come in. Doku's like a young replacement for him. For him, it's a great move because it's a step up into a side that like, kind of like we said with Conga, like a team pushing Europa League and maybe Champions League every now and then, I think it was a really good move. And financially for Anderlecht, they just needed the money. Um, the situation is that 25 million euros, they can't really turn that down at the moment for a player like Doku. And like you said, after one season you're kind of like, is this the best time to sell? Because what if he doesn't have another good season? And then his price drops, which you've actually seen um, from another player in the league. If we look at Emmanuel Dennis, like massively hyped when he scored those goals against Real Madrid. Everyone was talking about him. And his value since, because he just hasn't done it for Club Riga this season at all, he's just completely plummeted. So there's always that risk. I also think Anderlecht's reputation academic like their academy reputation does actually stand him in good stead because you can look at him and you can say okay he's come from academy that's produced this guy this guy this guy this guy you can just like reel off the list of players and be like okay he's it's a safer bet because you can trust where he's been in the situation he's been in like they're so good at developing professional footballers that I think for Ren I think it's a great investment um I think for Anderlecht it was a good deal and I think for the player it was a great move
0: absolutely i think that's pretty much how i would have summed it up really it was a mutually beneficial transfer uh, and that's how sort of we at scouted viewed that over over the summer um and sort of looking to the future, you know, Vincent Kompany is obviously there. He's very much in the infancy of his coaching career. You know, do you, do you see perhaps a, a changing of the guard, essentially, at Anderlecht, where, you know, the, the expenditure that they've made over the past few seasons, which hasn't worked out, you know, they're going to completely change tack and say, you know, hand the keys, essentially, to, to Kompany and say, you know, bring through this next generation of Andelect youth team players, you know, develop the next Lukaku, Tielemans, Dries Mertens, those types of players. Um, under your tutelage with, of course, your reputation um, playing a big part in that. Is that something that you could perhaps see for the future if they manage to, I mean, they look like they're going to improve on last season's eighth, eighth place. Um, and obviously if they break back into the top four, obviously comes the, the finances that, um, that come with European competition. You know, is that something that you could perhaps see in the future? You know, Vincent Company playing a, a starring role as a, as a not just a player there, but also as a manager now.
1: I really hope so. I really hope so. But if I'm honest, I'm not sure. Like the problem you have at Andelect is like we've said earlier in the in the show about how successful they are as a club. Like this is one of, if not the biggest club in Belgium. Like this club is massive. They must be competing. Like to have like two or three seasons of not competing, I think I don't think you can survive that, even if you're Vincent Company. So I think you have to be able to show like you're kind of treading to kind of sides where you're trying to financially sort yourself out but you still need to be competitive because that's what's expected of you like you're Anderlecht you're like this massive club you have to be exciting you have to be entertaining you have to be like pushing the top teams and I think fans will probably understand at the moment like why this isn't happening because of the financial situation and stuff like that but at the end of the day like at some point they're going to have to kind of balance between these young guys and having good experienced players that aren't on massive amounts of money. So I think it's going to take some like frugal investment and kind of being a little bit cleverer in the transfer window in who you bring in and like where you reinvest this money that you do get in. And also like, kind of like I said earlier, like eking every little bit that you can out of these young talented players like the to be successful because yeah, you need to get into the, into the European places as Anderlecht like, no matter what, you should still be able to do that with the players at your disposal. And you kind of look around the rest of the league and there's other clubs in sort of a similar situation. So another, their rivals, basically Standard Liège, are in a very similar situation. But their problem is they don't have the youngsters to sell like Anderlecht do. They don't have the talented youngsters coming through like Anderlecht do. So Anderlecht fans will be looking and saying, well, we should be doing better than Standard Liège because our youngsters are better. We can sell more players than them. We should be competing more than they are. Uh, at the top end of the league so yeah kind of like bringing it back around to the like the kind of question as a whole i think vincent company he will get given more time than anyone else because of who he is and personally i really hope that he gets enough time to turn it around and that he can kind of change everything there and like put things in place so that this financial situation that they're in like, never happens again and it'd be it'd be really nice to see him like develop as a manager and go on to big things and i think there's been like a, I guess, like a trend, hasn't there, of people hiring legends as managers. And like we saw with Juventus the other day, like it doesn't always work. Like sacking someone like Sarri, like experienced manager, who's won stuff and replacing him with someone who doesn't necessarily like have the same coaching experience. I think Vincent company's a little bit different. I think he's shown this year that he can coach and tactically he can be innovative and like try and work things out as the season's gone on and the team has improved like he's improved on last season he's improved the team as the season's gone on this year I hope he gets given the time but it's Anderlecht there's so much pressure there
0: yeah I think that was kind of the thing that I kept coming back to you know the one of the things about Anderlecht that's always been pretty clear is just how enthusiastic how fervent the fan base is you know that it's not not too many clubs have ultras that are as notorious as, as Anderlecht's especially in Belgium so yeah there's um I think if if he's given the time, I I, I hope. I mean, I, I can't say with any sort of authority that that he will. But yeah, essentially, what you've been saying, Ben. You know, I hope that that the, the club can 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 reclaim the the heights that that, that they they were once at, um, especially domestically, to, if not in European terms. Um, but that is all from this week's instalment. Uh, we'll be back with with more under twenty three football chatter in the coming weeks and months, um, no doubt some of that Belgian orientated, no doubt some of that Albert Samuel Conga as well um, in the meantime do check out the Scouted Football Handbook if you'd like to read features, interviews, profiles and long form football analysis in print as well as checking out Scouted Football on YouTube um, to those of you who've been sending us pics of volume 9 keep them coming, we love to see them arriving safely, stickers and all um, but the last thing to do is to say thank you very much to Ben for, for bringing his insight and his expertise to today's podcast, um, where can people find you on the belgian football podcast
1: yeah thanks joe Uh, you can find us yeah on twitter if you just search belgian football podcast you'll find us there Uh, we're on instagram and facebook as well and our podcast is yeah it's on all the streaming sites Uh, my personal twitter is at benjack94 so yeah if you want to talk belgian football i'm always interested
0: absolutely and i can't recommend that highly enough Um, thank you very much for tuning in i've been joe donoghue this has been the scouted football podcast see you next week bye-bye